about this rock star that I have in my hot seat today. I am interviewing an escrow superstar. That's right, the person, the nucleus, the one that puts it all together, the whole transaction and closes them and closes a lot of them. This is a person who I love, admire and respect so much that when I was getting into my role, I called on her to say, hey, Lisa, right? We're Lisa, Lisa and the Cold Jam, you and I. I would like Lisa come and help me with part of my training. And she did a lot of calls and classes for me and she would come off the call and people were like, wow, she's amazing. I'm like, I gotta get her in my podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, you are here to join me with the rock star of the century, top 2% in the country, kicking butt in any market, been in business over 35 years. Welcome Lisa Nunes with Chicago Title. Oh my God. Thank you so much. You're my hype girl for sure. Right? <laughs> when I go on dates, I'm going to be like, call Lisa and she'll tell you all about me. I know it. I know it. Oh my God. So we're going to go, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of stuff today, Lisa. I want to pick your brain. You're so brilliant. You're so matter of fact, you get straight to the point, which I love. I want to talk to you about business. I want to talk to you about some personal stuff too. Like, I just want to max out our time together because I think you're brilliant and amazing. So here we go. We know you've okay. been in business 35 years, which is amazing because you look like you're 35. So I don't know. You don't age. Um, God bless. (laughs) So like, tell us a little bit about, you know, your escrow journey coming into the business, kind of the areas you cover. Just give us a little color and we'll journey on. Okay. Well, I started out in Santa Clara. I've lived in the Bay Area my entire life and um, started out as a receptionist, Um, was really good on the phone and um, remembered people's names and such, and then got promoted quickly to an assistant. I was a strictly refi escrow for a really long time. And then realized that the money was in resale and I really wanted to do that. So um, I kind of set my sights on that and then started uh, marketing myself in that direction and um, just slowly but surely developed quite a following. And in 35 years, um, have just really found that my niche is the resale market. 100%. I love that you already did drop a nugget. So anybody who's an escrow officer and you're listening, Lisa sells behind her desk. She markets herself. She doesn't wait for people to hand business to her. That's one thing that's, I feel it stands out for you, which is amazing. You know, I want, there are people that are new to title getting on this podcast and listening. Um, what kind of is an escrow officer exactly? I love how you articulate it. What, what are you doing? You know, what, what is your function and role in the transaction? Basically, an escrow officer is a fiduciary third party that processes the documentation for the lender, the buyer, the seller, the agents, the TCs, the everybody involved. I am where it funnels into, and then we process everything out. Um, we we make a fee for that um, transaction. We make actually two fees in Santa Clara County. We make escrow and title. Um, and what we do is we just kind of hold the transaction together. We meet deadlines. We have schedules um, that we have to meet. Um, we order payoff demands. We do everything to facilitate the process of a transaction, whether it's a refinance or sale. But we work with the lenders and all parties involved to process the documentation to solidify the transaction. So it's fair that I call you the nucleus. <laughs> I am the nucleus. Yes, I I I, I looked up uh, uh, fiduciary third party. I looked up escrow in the dictionary actually, and that's how I got this job in uh, back when I was eighteen. That was smart. And. Uh, that's how that's how the escrow the manager that hired me said the reason why she hired me was because I took the initiative to even look it up in the dictionary and I would go a long way. Love that. Love that. You guys are you are the it factor, my friend. You are the one. It's just 
so imperative that we have good, healthy relationships with escrow, whether they're independent escrows or they're internal escrows, and they have somebody who is dynamo. And um, that is you, my friend, let me tell you. What is something really important realtors can do to help with the process of the transaction? It's important for our sales teams to know what you would really like from your realtor partners. Typically what comes up for me on that is um, review the prelim. So my team, what we do is when the prelims show up, my team will review the prelim and send an email explaining what items are key for us. Uh, There's two open loans, three open loans. uh, We show a trust on title. We, you know, those are the kind of things. And then not all escrow officers do that. So if the realtor is not reviewing the prelim and we find out at last minute that they didn't have a third loan that they paid that off seven years, 70 years ago, back with, you know, 14 refis, we now have to track a recon at the last minute. So it's really important to, for an agent to review those prelims. And if they don't know what they're looking at to contact their escrow officer to go over that prelim with them. So that's something you do with realtors. You will walk and teach them and talk to them about how to understand and read the prelim. Does, do you and your team teach classes about that? Yes, I have done several courses on that. Uh, I call it at uh, Halloween, we did uh, scary escrow. Um, and I showed up as a Grim Reaper. And we did a Zoom call where I where I, sh- I went over all the scary things that happened in an escrow transaction. So did you record you know, we, that? No, they didn't. Dang it. Yeah. I could have used that. Yeah. Because I'd be I really fun to share. I can forward them to you. <laughs> what? I have the notes. I can send them to you. Yes. Or teach the class. Let's do it. That'd be yeah, a really fun class. I'll dress up. I'll come in as a no, witch. I, seriously, I went and bought the costume and showed up as a Grim Reaper with the mask and the spike and everything. It was funny. We should do that, Lisa. I'll come and dress up too. That'd be awesome. <laughs> because I have I'm so many new people, you know, that I really want them to understand what they're telling their realtors to do. But it's important. Escrow needs things from real estate agents. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a big part of it. There are things that they can do to help expedite, make their experience spot on. My job as an escrow officer is to get referral business from my agent. So for my agent, not from. I will benefit on that. Yep. So the reason why I want my agents to be educated is so that their clients know when they have a deal with that person or refer someone to that person, that there's not going to be as often as there is a scary situation that will happen at the very last minute over communication, um, you know, that's, that's kind of key for a real estate agent and their team and their escrow team. So, right. I like that, that you're absolutely spot on. It's critical because you're representing them in the transaction, right? That's the whole thing as far as representing that real estate agent so that they have an incredible experience. That escrow experience is the experience they have with the realtor. Right. And if, if it's a good one, they're going to tell what, what are the rules, right? They'll tell yep. like five people. If it's a bad one, they're going to tell everybody. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just the way it works. Yep. So my goal is to get those five people. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And not everyone else hearing that it was right. not good. Right. Do you have like a to-do list or a day plan or a system that keeps you on point for what's important for the day? Yes. So what I do is I have a little folder on my email and anything that comes in, I move that's a requirement of action. I move it into that place. And anytime I have a breath, I go into that and take one task off so that I've met every task in that list before the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I prioritize, that's the word, prioritize them in order of receipt. 
and also in order of um, closing. So if I have something that I know is closing in three days, I need to get on that right now. I don't have an option to wait, you know, and the ones that are closing in, you know, three weeks, that can get done at the end of the day or whatever later on. Are you off at a certain time? Do you really try to wrap it up and in your day at a specific time? Yes. So the one thing that I have found that really has saved my sanity, um, and it's not a huge favorite, and it's my bosses are going to be like, oh, why'd you say that out loud? Um, my email dropped off my phone at one of the updates, and I left it off. And the reason why I left it off, I got permission to do that, was because I don't have a turnoff. And I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning and get on my email, and then I would get all wild up and have to go in, you know, like get ready and go into work. It was, I, I had no sanity or separation. I had no ability to do that. So what I do is I offer my cell number out on my signature line. And so clients, if they need me or need something, they, they text me and then I can address it. But it's not at two o'clock in the morning and it's not an urgent situation. So I didn't have that ability to separate myself from that, that going in and checking on work uh, on my off time. So I was literally so unhealthy. And now I have, I get off about 515 and I take my dog for a walk and I, you know, I, I paint in my spare time. So Beautiful I now painting. have, thanks. I now have this outlet that I, that separates me and de-stresses me because this job is stressful. Like when Extremely. I go on vacation, I don't want any deadlines. Like when I go on vacation, I'm like, nope, we're not planning that at two o'clock in the afternoon because my whole life is everyone else's deadline. When I go on vacation, it's like, woo, we're going. <laughs> no, totally. Totally. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I do feel that escrow officers around the country operations that I work with the salespeople and they talk a lot about how stressed out their escrow officers are and they're working nights and weekends and holidays. Um, you know, an escrow officer kind of called in, she was at a wedding and got pulled out on a deal on a Saturday for two hours in the middle of a wedding and now feels bad and guilty and all stuff. I just, I am glad you're here to say, shut it off. And it's great advice across the board. There's nothing better we can do at two o'clock in the morning that we can't do during business hours. Everything will be okay. I've been in business for 25 years. All the deals close, you guys. They just do. They yep. just miraculously close. Or if there's a delay, they close. It, it's like this whole made up concocted thing that like, and don't, I mean, Lisa, you know this over your 35 years, there's been moving trucks in front of yards. There's been people holding couches at the front door and we pulled recordings but they all moved in and it's all worked out and there's nothing you're going to do. We're not doing open heart surgery over here, even though people like to act like it, but your sanity is so much more important. And I'm just glad that you brought that up because you're killing it and you're in the top 2%. Every escrow officer listening to this right now is like, how do you get to the top 2% in the country? Well, this person who is in it has boundaries and respect. Not only them. that, but not only that, but you have, you, we, we have to take care of ourselves. So where, what happened was when I did that, I was, I was an average escrow officer. I've always, I've, you know, like I've always worked really hard, but I was just in the kind of level. But when I did that, that's when my business took off. I'm not kidding because it's just like working out. When you go to the gym every single day and you don't give your body any time to relax and build muscle, you're not going to see the results that you are going to see if you follow a regimen where you give yourself rest days. Right. It is the exact same thing. We're working a muscle. The only difference is, you know, it's our heart. Like my heart rate was escalated all the time. I was always in fight or flight, constantly at fear of something going on. 
And when I realized that, you know, look, my CFO, CEO, you know, is my higher power. So I, I don't have to worry anymore about the minutia. It's all going to be okay. As long as I show up and give it 110% in that eight to five period or eight to nine, whatever, you know, your, your schedule is, as long as I'm giving my best in those hours, I can rest at night and do all the things and take care of myself that I need to. Vacation. Take your vacation. You need to take your vacation. No one's going to. They're die. not. You got to take your vacation. You have. It's not an option. And they're not doing their artwork and they're not dancing and they're not sewing and they're not cooking and they're not giggling. You know, these are all things that are happening that we're hearing across the board. This is not our title company. This is every title company. All escrow officers somehow got in this beyond a workaholic. It's not even that anymore. It's into this, like, just devoted their entire lives to showing up for every single deal. I just want to be a voice and you an advocate to telling them it doesn't have to be that way. No, you, you need what you, what my secret is, is in the sauce is my team. I have assistants that are beyond phenomenal that support me in the way that I run my desk. Um, we have set up this magical ability to flow together. And I'm not kidding. It is literally, I feel like we're unicorns sometimes because it just is so magical. I've been around for so long and to have those last 10 years with these two individuals has been like nothing I've ever experienced. I am the face in the front, but it really is all of us together working. We do, we do on our desk what some offices do as a total with the three of us. And we still leave at 5, 5.30. We all go on our vacations. We all have lives outside of this job. We, we have family. You know, one of my team is off this week and she was like, oh, I know it's really busy. And I'm them all, take your time. We need your time. You need it. Just take it. You know, it's, it's, it's not about if and when we'll get sick if you don't take care of yourself. It's you, you will. You have, you're no good if you're sick. You're right. You know, and we so, don't enjoy it. The job is not fun when you've worked yourself to death. You know, now I know someone's listening right now going, oh my God, I wish I could do what she's doing. I wish. How does someone start step one? Um, you just need to make, commit it. It's just like going to the gym. I'm going to go back to that. It's like, it's discipline. You have got to have discipline. You have got to say, okay, I haven't taken a lunch. I'm exhausted. I have to leave at five o'clock and turn your email off. You've got to walk away from it. Even if it's like dragging yourself to your car, you have got to do it. And literally Figure out a way if it's deep breathing, meditation, prayer, I don't care what it is, like whatever, taking a walk, whatever it is, you have got to do something to separate yourself from the madness that goes on in our brain that tells us if you don't handle this right now, you're going to have to deal with this tomorrow. That's what keeps us sitting at our desk until nine. I call that the drunk monkey in your head. The drunk monkey. I did a podcast about him because he's just in there with that voice of all the things that just get under our skin. And then we listen. We listen to this drunk monkey who's wasted with two beers in each hand and, you know, getting us, throwing us off our game, taking us out of our greatness. And we believe him. It's like we get in a trance. You know, I was a workaholic for many years as a title sales executive. The sad part is I would have been the same I would have had been in the top 5% in the country the same, whether I was a workaholic or not. 
I didn't actually enhance my business. I made it worse. And I had a ton of health issues to go with it. So I'm glad you brought that up because it comes with health issues. Stress cells are in our bodies. When we activate them, they transpire into other things, which is not worth it. And I had to deal with that. I understand this, you know? That's why I'm like preaching and having other successful top of their game people are like, I don't roll game that way. And look how, look at my numbers, you know? So how can sales and escrow have a top-notch relationship? Like, do you do action steps with sales? And if you do, what tactical things are you doing? Um, typically what they'll do is they'll send me a list of agents that we may not have heard from for a while. Um, and what I do is I do love bombs. I call them love bombs. Love and bombs. Yeah. So I will send an email out or a phone call. It depends on the relationship that I have with this agent. A lot of times these people have become friends of mine. So what I'll do is I haven't heard from them in a while. I'll Facebook them or I'll call them or I'll text them. I'll reach out so that they know that I've thought that of them. And I'll be like, hey, just thinking about you. I was thinking about you. I have a partnership, uh, uh, dad and son. So I send them both a text, an email. And I was like, hey, I was just thinking about you guys. Wanted to check in, see how you're doing. And they sent me an email back. Thank you so much. It was so nice to hear from you. And then three days later, we got a listing. And I'm sure it was already in the works. But the fact that I was able to just let them know I was thinking of everyone likes to feel thought of the whole, I don't know, a person who doesn't like a card in the mail right. or a phone call, or a, if I, if not a phone call, like I'm on the phone all day, a text message or an email, just that I matter. Right. That to me is like the best. I don't care about flowers. Send me that you're thinking of me. That is like the biggest thing for me. So many ways to sell from behind your desk. It is not a hundred percent a sales rep responsibility. Once it's on your desk, then it's your responsibility to keep that agent, really. You know, it's true. but it's getting them in the door is, oh, it, it takes two, it takes you and your rep to sometimes three, you, your rep and your team. Um, but pick up the phone, target your agents, pick up the phone, pick up the phone, pick up the phone. 100%. Nobody calls anybody anymore. They Nobody don't. calls anybody anymore. You know, yesterday I had a hundred people on my line and I was like, what's the number one thing getting you business today in this market today? What is working? And put it in the chat. And it was call, 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 call. I was like, look at this Intel. This is how people are opening their business. I'm so glad you said that and said it from the escrow point of view, not just sales. I like action steps together. I do like people to call together. I do like videos together. I do like posting or doing a split screen post, you know, I like, I like some activity with escrow in the social media space. I feel like it goes a long way because it's not oversaturated. So it is yeah, something. No, so let's shift gears because I am, you know, my background and been coaching over 20 years. I, I love life coaching. I love people's lives. I love to know, talk to them about things that they've done and accomplished. I've interviewed, just recently did an interview, you guys will see it'll come on the podcast, of people who lost 40 pounds in a short amount of time doing it healthy, right? Making healthy choices. I'm fascinated how people accomplish things in their life that they set their mind out to. And I've watched your journey through the years of your sobriety. And I just want to say congratulations. Gives me chills because it's not easy to do. It's not easy to, you know, go through such a challenging transition for some people. It's more challenging than others, but I know overall because I've worked with people with addiction and I've worked with people with alcoholism or drugs or sex or whatever the story may be. You've done a lot of work in that space and I'm fascinated by people who year over year get to celebrate anniversaries. So what anniversary are we on? We are 10. 
10 years, yes. my friend. Yeah. I'm deep in my 10th with, year. <laughs> the what? I'm deep in 10. Yeah. I'm deep in 10, baby. I love it. Not easy to do. My hat's off to you. It, can you talk to us a little bit about um, how you kind of made a, a, a decision to go, I'm done. I'm not going to have one more drink and what that journey looked like for you? So what happened for me was um, I was a binge drinker, just to clarify. And um, what it looked like for me was I didn't think I was an alcoholic because I could quit. I quit for 10 years. Uh, I just went dry when I uh, first met my husband. And um, I just, I, I had a very strong willpower and a, and a faith in God and I turned it over and it was, the obsession was removed. Um, after I had three kids and was still working in escrow, I was overworking. I was running a cookie company and then, you know, working full time and I would do this thing, this whole thing and over, overextended myself. And basically my marriage fell apart and then I just found the bottle again. And um I struggled in and out of recovery. I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. I couldn't relate. I, I always felt like I was different than everybody else. And um, then it just took what it took until I finally realized I went to a meeting and one time one woman talked and told my story. And I realized that what made me an alcoholic wasn't that how much I drank or that I could stop. It was that once I picked up anything, I couldn't stop. I just didn't have an off switch. So you know, once you have that realization and you have the tools, which is the solution, um, I was able to um, get my life right and realize that, you know, I, my life is, even in my worst day sober, is a thousand times better than my best day drunk. And I, you know, well, I have, yeah, I, I just have this amazing relationship with those three kids that I put through hell. So if anyone is listening to this and thinks, you know, oh, that's nice for her, you know, I, I, I'm not speaking to my kids and I've lost my marriage and I, I did all of that. I, I decimated everything and uh, lost jobs. Not, I didn't lose jobs while drinking, but I lost jobs around other stuff that probably were collated to my drinking and uh, had a reputation in the industry as a party girl. And that was really hard to overcome. In fact, I had interviewed a Chicago title and they declined me because they had heard about my reputation. And then I worked my tush off and really cleaned myself up and they recruited me. And, I love um, it. Yeah, they recruited <laughs> me and I, I rode them hard because I was like, you didn't want me back then. <laughs> you know, but I understood. I, I understood. I understood. You did. Right. It makes sense. Right. We have a culture here that we're trying to you know, that matters to the firm, you know? So it's like for them, when they hear all that hearsay, it's like, eh, there's somebody else that can do the job. The fact that you were like, that doesn't define me and I'm going to prove my worth and did. And they came back to recruit you. That says a lot. That says a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's people who are listening that have an addiction with food, you know, and different, different addictions that they're stuck on. I've, I've, I've talked more about depression and anxiety and not, not, getting it together, like where they keep falling off the wagon, keep falling off the wagon. What is your advice for someone who just keeps kind of falling off the wagon? Like, give me step one. What does someone need to do right now, Lise? Um, surrender. Um, you know, your life is unmanageable and you need to find a solution, whatever that looks like. Not if Overeaters Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Codependence, CODA. There's every kind of meeting known to man. There's also therapy there, we have programs through our company that offer a solution for um, all kinds of addictions and mental health, um, medication, 
don't be afraid of medication. I know a lot of people are like taboo. Every, you know, the, the, the doctors and whatever are always trying to throw you on something. It, depression and stuff like that is a chemical deficiency. It has nothing to do with willpower. It has nothing to do with you should just soldier on and figure it out. Sometimes it is actually chemical. So Agreed. don't diagnose yourself. Do the research. If medication is not for you, find alternative ways. Meditation, prayer, um, exercise. When I first got sober, and a lot of people do this, is we get into exercise and we become crossfitters and we overwork out because we're trying to replace what it is that we think we're lacking. Uh, addiction is a hole in the soul where we are constantly trying to fill that hole with something, whether it's food, sex, um, busy, being busy, uh, work, uh, whatever that is, sleeping, eating, it's all the things. We're constantly trying to put something in that space that we just aren't comfortable with. So when you do work around trying to get well, whatever your ailment is, there is support groups on all fronts. There, I offer myself out to anyone that's in need of support. You can reach out to me by phone. My cell number is in the, in the system. Um, you can always text and reach out. It's all confidential. It will not be shared to anybody. Um, you know, for me, that, that's my service, is being there for other people who are struggling. I had an agent come into my office and sit down and talk to me about his son, you know, because I'm out, I'm, I'm out there about my recovery because I was out there in my addiction. Everybody knew I was drinking. Everybody talked about it. So I'm just as verbal and visible, if not more so, in my recovery because I want people to understand that I was a hopeless drunk. I was hopeless. Like there was no hope for me. And here I am on the other side of that 10 years in, and I have the most amazing life. I, I have the most amazing life. And it's not perfect. I have stuff. I get lonely. I get depressed. But I, I have ways of solution to not stay there. We all have bad days. It doesn't have to be a bad life. I love that so much. And I love your offering. You know, that's, that's a bit of your experience and why you went through this, is that your experience and the offering and the help and the support, that's where you're there's a purpose there, right? That's like your calling, like a calling to be an advocate for others and help and save others. And I bet you anything this podcast does that. Just wait till I reach out to you to say, somebody hit me up and said, I needed to hear what Lisa had to say. And I just enrolled into AA. I, I already, I'm having a premonition. I can already feel it and see it. Um, thank you for that, for sharing it. And congratulations to you Thanks. on your success. And I love that you're living your best life. I love seeing your artwork posted up and how you're just really focusing in on you, your life and like your talents. And it's just beautiful to watch. So thank you. Thanks. Keep sharing it with us because we love to watch Thanks. it in close. Cause I know you got to go close escrows in life or in <laughs> business. Lise, what do you know for sure? Oh, uh, that I don't know anything for sure. Um, that, that's what I know for sure. Aside from that, I'm only responsible for my behavior and how I react to situations. The only person that I have any kind of control over at all is me. So what I've learned in this industry and in life is the power of vulnerability. My word for 2023 is vulnerable. And I, if you knew me, you would know that that is not a word I'm comfortable with. I don't like to be soft. I think it's a Lisa thing. Yeah. Soft and open. That's like, ugh, okay. Um, but I'm working really hard on that. And what that looks like in my job is when things don't go right, owning that 
and figuring out a way to be in solution has been my greatest tool. Telling somebody, mm -hmm. I am sorry, I made a mistake. This is how I'm fixing it. So what I know is that I appreciate somebody telling me the truth, even when it's hard to hear. Yes. I would much rather have that. So that is the one thing in this life that I know is that honesty wins every time. They may not like it, but they're going to respect it and they're going to remember it. So good. Lisa, thank you for your time today, for your words of wisdom, for your shares, for being so vulnerable today. Nice practice. <laughs> and opening up and telling us things that we needed to know and hear. I'm going to have you back if you don't mind and have no, part it. of my trainings because I just appreciate how focused, how hard you work, how determined you are, how all in you are with your team, how passionate you are for your customers, and how you have figured out how to work hard, but also enjoy your life, a healthy life at that. And thank you for just displaying that today for us. We appreciate you. You're amazing. Thanks thank for all you, you so much, Lisa. Great seeing you. You too, Bye. honey. Bye.